get that going here welcome everybody all right we are live streaming welcome to the world of ability we'll do another welcome here as i get our syndication going and here we go so welcome everybody to the world of ability podcast network and this our anchor show the world of ability podcast podcast and it is inspired disability advocacy podcasting and showtime here this is getting the message out to be a message from the community of people around the world that are people with disabilities i'm kurt roscoff please be your host here every week every saturday we uh produce the show uh, around two o'clock central three o'clock eastern time and uh we've got patty Ernest here who is working on projects with us and uh we have Barbara is here. Uh, she'll be coming on here. Barbara, welcome. And uh, we also have Ray Maestro here. Uh, Scott, right on here on his titling coming in here. Let's survive together. Let's take a look at his background here. Let's survive together. Positivity, motivation, inspiration, success. Let's connect. Confidence, self-esteem, public speaking, recovery live a great life and at linkedin he's ray maestro r-a-i space m-a-e-s-t-r-o check out his profile and then uh let's connect together.com so um just want to set a little bit more of the framework of the show i like to uh point out for all those new to the show that uh we started this back on july 26 2020 celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, setting forth that that Saturday of October and every Saturday forward that we're still doing. So we're closing in on a full two years of programming here uh, with the World Ability Podcast Network and the World Ability Podcast Show. And yes, we have two Kurtz here on the screen uh, as we're producing this out of Zoom. Zoom connection here, making this all possible. Uh, we get the uh, Zoom for this show supplied to us through our work uh, serving the co-host community. Uh, Emily Gomer and I have been serving as uh, co-hosts of HMP Wisconsin, Minnesota uh, for a couple of years. Well, it uh, not quite a couple of years yet, a year and eight months so far. And then uh, I become a captain with the community and uh, with becoming a captain of the community, they supply the captains of the Happy Neighbor Project with a, um, an account uh, with Zoom. So we are having fun doing the live streaming on YouTube and uh, getting it out to Facebook. And uh, yes, I am here out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, so with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, get a little bit more of an introduction of Ray here. Um, Ray and I connected through free Happy Business Networking with the Happy Neighborhood Project, which makes available the Happy Co-op. Everybody can find that out at happyneighborhoodproject.com. Um, so, but Ray, come on in here. Tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and the service, uh, and what's inspired uh, let's survive together. Why do you have this mantra? <laughs> yeah, it's um, nothing but positivity and inspiration for you, as always. 110%, sometimes 99%, sometimes 1,000%. It depends what day and what time of the day you meet me. <clears throat> but it'll, it'll be apparent to you that that's what I do. So I, I work with people that are stressed out, and are negative, maybe because they're overworked, maybe their living environment, maybe their neighborhood, or a combination of all that. So I help them de-stress, de-negativize, whatever word that is, um, become more positive. Aside from that, I work with people that are suffering from traumas, whether it's abuse, suicide, violence, addictions, whatever that may be whatever previous trauma you had, I teach them to leave it in the past, let things go. And it's a difficult thing, but it can be done. And don't live your life, you know, struggling because of those 
terrible things from the past, live in the present, live in the future. And it is possible to live a great life. I mean, I survived a number of, of terrible things. You know, I'm, I'm a survivor of all those things. Um, and it was a terrible thing. I mean, I lived in misery for over 30 years. And I tell people all the time, don't do it the way I did it. Don't suck up that pain for a couple of decades. Don't take your life or try to take your life. Don't drink. Don't do drugs. You know, um, and so I, I give a lot of my own story to people. Um, and I'm open about my story. I mean, it's very it's very recent that I've gone public with my story. I, I aside from that, I've been a host for over 20 years. And most people in the business, they don't know that side of me. So it's very recent. And it's most likely that the people on LinkedIn know more than the people that actually in, you know, radio or or events. So. All right. Very good. We'll take that as a good introduction to get the conversation started going. I'm going to see if I'm going to pick up on that, uh, but I'm going to check in with Barbara first. We're seeing some great roses there, a big bouquet <laughs> there of beauty. So I can Barbara it all. And so Barbara, what are your thoughts for today? Did you catch anything from Ray? Anything resonate with you? Anything speak to you in your life journey? Yeah. What do you think of Barbara? Yeah, I'm so, I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed. You know, in, in the Buddhist practices I do, we always talk about we're going to turn poison into medicine, you know, for ourselves and other people. And it sounds like he's really doing that. And the people that can, you know, help the most, the people that understand what what things feel like in my walking with a walker now for like gosh happy year i'm i'm so aware of what it's like for someone in a wheelchair you know where we're not we're not totally conscious yet you know for uh, and people with disabilities we've made it in the community where i live where if you're in a wheelchair you couldn't get in and out of the community very easily so i'm seeing so so much like that what i'm curious about you know i'm supposed to do a speech on monday and i'm going to do a speech quoting marianne williamson when she talks about that our greatest fears are not our fear of our inadequacy our greatest fears are fear of of how, ah, oh, what's the exact words? I gotta get them because she says it so well. But our fear of you know our potential, our fear of how powerful we really can be, we really are. And today I've been challenged to walk three miles a day. And I'm trying to do this, you know, with the juicing and walking and Today I got to go into the ocean with my friend before the sun came up and we were there for the sunrise and singing and so, so glad I could do that. I don't know, um, you know, it does the prayer that all these things that I'm doing are going to be making me stronger. And I'm wondering, you know, if anyone can address like how far should we push ourselves with walking in the bright sunshine of Florida by the beach today trying to do the three miles and probably about two and a half miles I started worrying that oh maybe I should stop maybe I could get the heat stroke you know and I didn't know whether to push myself further to stop and I'd really like to hear people talking to me about about that very subject All That's right. with everybody there you go. So, Ray, we have Barbara, our color commentary and uh, panelist, and she really gets us deep into life. And so, Ray, she poses a concept about, you know, pushing ourselves and, um, you know, being afraid of really how much and how well we can do things. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Ray, or do you want me to pick up on that one? Well, I mean, me, I have always pushed myself to, you know, that's the way I was taught to either to the limit or beyond the limit of whatever I was doing, either if I'm working on something or playing a sport or working on a project, I was always taught to go 
to the limit and beyond, which sometimes can be dangerous, you know, yeah. but, um, you know, when I, when I was younger, I guess you could say I would do, you know, near death training because that's just mm -hmm. the, the way I grew up. You know, I don't recommend that for other people. I mean, just go out there and do your activities and, and feel good about yourself. You don't have to kill yourself either, you know, but, um, I like the flowers are nice. Thank you. There you go. Thanks, Ray. I've been <laughs> noticing uh, Ray's got this art form of just keeping things very simple, basic, and chill, and uh, doing mm -hmm. a little bit of LinkedIn chatting with him. And you know, it, you know, I got thousands, seven thousand some contacts, maybe approaching eight thousand contacts, and it's like there's a certain thing of how. I've experienced LinkedIn connecting and then there's Ray Maestro where it's like just very simple and chill and just he's kind of giving me these little twists and turns with little different questions and just real basic like what are your plans with that when, when does the meet and greet happen <laughs> yeah I, I, I tell people all the time you know I'm I'm simple basic you know to the point um relaxed that's why a lot of people like working with me, whether it's, you know, on one on one or a group session or, or doing some sort of event somewhere. I'm always just very calm. I never get stressed out. I never get mad. I never, you know, and I, I've worked on some productions where people just running with their, you know, with no heads, just all mm -hmm. over the place, all over the stage. And I'm just there and I'm just standing and I'm just and I'm just watching. And they're like, why aren't you like this? Why aren't you hectic? I'm like. I don't live my life like that. I, you know, I am one with myself. And that's it. Good stuff. Good stuff. So we got a contrast going here, folks. Uh, you know, I have fun once in a while to share with folks. Um, in the last 20 years, I'm 50 years old. And it took till I entered in my 30s. So 20 years of knowing uh, with my surname, Roscoe. You know, it comes from Bavaria. And uh, so... In the English, there in the English um, result of the name, you know, there is not um, the letter of a hard B that there is in German, um, or actually, it's a hard S that looks like a B when you learn the German alphabet. And um, so, the R O S, the S should really be a hard S, which looks like a B, and then when it became Americanized, it became a double S or folks that are uh, thinking for multilingual and having the English side of it, R-O-S-S-K-O-P-F, and then it's R-O-S. But, you know, in all of that, to my family, Roskopf means uh, the head of a workhorse or just literally, you know, horse head. But when I was growing up and for the first decades of my life, I heard a lot of allusions to what my last name means. And uh, so when I was a youngster, I thought my name simply meant redhead because I, I had uh, a little bit of reddish tinge in my hair. So I thought, oh, I'm, I'm in a family of redheads. But then as I got, you know, at the end of my teen years and into my 20s, um, I was told that Roscoff means hothead. And that, that's what you made me think of, right, when you were saying about how calm and cool collected you are. It's... Um, it's not as much an all the time thing of my personality, right, Patty? Patty's seen me. <laughs> I didn't see <somewhere>, right? <laughs> so, so, so Patty has uh, quite a story that, boy, if anybody had a reason to be upset, our friend Patty here has a litany of reasons. And uh, what we'll find is, um, you know, quite a bit of what Ray is talking about is, you know, in Patty. You know, however, Patty just a few months ago had a time where it kind of, when Patty tells me the story, I think of the Seinfeld sitcom. Ray, are you familiar with the Jerry Seinfeld culture? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah so, so we're talking about the uh, strike episode. And, you know, we're talking about when Frank Costanza goes into that store. And there's that doll on the shelf that he's going to get for his son, George. And he reaches for that doll and he's go, and it's like right in his grasp. And then like, like black Friday shopper mentality, there's another shopper that just 
looks at that thing too and without frank knowing is like goes and Ooh. snatches it right out of his grasp and oh did that upset frank costanza and frank is like in this scene right in a sitcom tv show and he's looking up at the sky and he's like there's got to be a better way and uh so there's that exuberance that I picture. Patty tells me that there was a day in June when she just had to let off a little steam. And uh, so we get, we get to that point uh, sometimes. And even I mentioned the Happy Neighborhood Project with our chief happiness officer, Edwin Atterbury. You know, Edwin Atterbury in his work of spreading happiness around the world and teaching happiness as a skill, one point he makes in the skill sets is to put the three-minute rule to practice. So what Edwin suggests, in his own way, I'm going to recap it in a Kurt Rostov version, but the idea to me is, is that when something upsets you, that you feel your happiness being disturbed and you're being pulled away from happiness, he, he suggests three minutes. Give yourself three minutes and just do what you got to do. You know, if you got to get a pillow, and just like, you know, shout into the pillow, rah, 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 you know, or whatever you got to do, pick something that can just let you vent it out. But when you get into it, promise yourself that when the three minutes are up, promise yourself to be happy in three minutes, you know, and so these things can happen, can't they? But oh, how three minutes can set into motion so many things with so many people. It's just astounding human nature, isn't it, Pat? You've, you've lived this, haven't you, Pat? How three minutes can do something where you could be looking at it for the next year and who knows how long, right? Yeah, I wanted you to tell the story. Yeah, well, we got to draw them in, Patty. Raise uh, comments on it. <laughs> yeah. So, so the idea, Ray, is what we do is we draw people in. You know, I kind of create that little vacuum with people that are ready for me to tell the story. Now, Patty's saying, you know, even Patty, knowing the story, she wants to hear her own story come out on you. She's not afraid to have the story told 10,000 times around the world or whatever it takes, because it is a life lesson. Now, listen to this, folks. What happens is, is that a roommate observes this venting or like letting off some steam. Well, it starts all... before that, Kurt. It starts, before, it starts before that. Okay, but, but let me just finish okay. this part of it. So yeah, there, there is a precursor element, but I really think the, the crux of, of so many of the things that went asunder uh, are from this part of it. You know, because there's a particular um, state law that allows um, law enforcement and um, healthcare professionals to, you know, mental health professionals to do something without what's called informed consent. So I was an EMT for 10 years, and I knew as an EMT that. Uh, what the National Registry of EMTs expected was that we as EMTs would say, hi, my name is Kurt. I'm here to help you today. What seems to be the problem? And then they can tell you. And then as you were looking to serve this chief complaint, as they would call it, you know, you would announce that, oh, I would like to take your calls. I would like to do this. Is this okay? You know, am I doing all right? We're doing this. You know, is this the plan? You know, can we put you on the the cot, can we, you know, take you into the ambulance? And we're thinking you might want to see an ER doctor. This exchange and this participation and this determination by the patient. But when you are on an implied consent, we're taught as EMTs, when somebody's unconscious, obviously your profession is to help that unconscious person regain consciousness. So it's implied consent that a person would want that help all the time to come back and be conscious conscious, um, you know, unless it's a resuscitation and then you have a do not resuscitate order, you know, which would intercede on it. So th this is the natural state of affairs for people who are at home expecting a professional to come in and be of service. 
but under implied consent when your conscience you know when you're in an awake state and you're able to interact and and interact like patty's on the show right now and then somebody comes in and says we're gonna take you away ha ha he he ha ha ho ho you know that that's from a play reference you know and then patty doesn't have a choice there's a state law that has that at play because there are things that can disturb the brain. So there's something, a brain of uh, mental health, they call it. But a big, the big driving force of brain, of uh, mental health is brain health. You know, there's a physical thing. So there is truth. Same thing uh, we learn with suicide ideation, that, that people think of it as an emotional thing and like, you know, yeah, there are these things that, that yeah, might be helpful. But if we really understand the full scope of how the entirety of people experience suicide ideation, there, there is a, um, a propensity that, that a great share of cases, the lion's share of cases with suicide ideation is driven by um, brain health taking a turn. And then there's all sorts of theological things, the hormonal responses and stuff like that. So things just kind of get upside down and the physical self, the physical self becomes dysfunctional. So this is why there needs to be an empowerment of the professional world to be able to come in and to do things under implied consent, even if somebody is awake, because somebody actually may not be in a state where they really can follow this process of rational decisions. So there are these laws that allow them. But once in a while, politics, once in a while, you know, perverse use of authority, once in a while, you know, like creating law and action, you know, kind of happens because people that are serving get this idea that they know what's best and they just have everything fit the mold of what they think will solve this situation. And some of it is driven by what I say many times, this reference of the God almighty dollar. So people get paid. So the idea is the quicker, the more, more expedient, they can get people to just into what they can build for. Like I was an EMT. There was a, a whimsical remark made in a training when I was being trained as an ENT. And the trainer looked at us as ENTs and said, you know why we give people oxygen, don't you? And we all looked and we came up with all these medical reasons why we give people oxygen. And he liked the exercise of it, but then he came back to what his point was. It was, it was a little bit of a aha, a little tongue-in-cheek thing. But he's like, now the real reason is that we can charge for it. And this is a real thing, folks. We have to check our systems and our procedures and to, to look at systemic oppression and to look at how people can be put through a protocol that is not serving them very well at all. And so what happens is, is that there's this exaltation of needing to vent letting off some steam, a roommate calls the authorities and through the whole discussion, they bring in this state law that allows them to just do what they want to do. Patty is like run through the mental health hospital, run around a, a few other a handful of clinics and here, there and everywhere. Weeks of just, you know, really being a prison to martial law type of thing. And, and to be put into being called severely mentally ill and all that stuff's going on. So just real quickly, I want to intercede with what Patty's saying about the other part of it is there was another time when Patty's, um, you know, day was interrupted by the authorities, by the police, and it was because of a restraining order. So here you have another personal situation where an individual is saying, I'm going to exercise my right of privacy or being protected or whatever, just, I can't handle it myself, so I'm going to have the state take care of it, and we're going to do a restraining order. And so there, there's that whole thing. So you have a couple things at play, you know, kind of a three-minute rule thing, and you got kind of a restraining order because, you know, somebody in Patty's life needs a little help from the long arm of the law, apparently, 
and these things are at play and things are going into motion where Patty is thrust deeply into the mental health system. And every step of the way, it's like, this is a whole lot of what I don't need. So Patty's like, I don't need this, but I have to. And then now to add insult to injury and to add injury to injury is pharmaceuticals. This pharmacology that we live in in America, in the United States, you know, being, a, you know, a developed nation, you know, an industrial nation. And in all of our, you know, Western medicine, you know, we're like, these pharmaceutical drugs are taken over, folks. They have taken over. It's ridiculous. Pharmaceutical drugs have gotten to a point where they're doing in a good chunk of cases, I might propose, say, one in five, just to have a conversation, like, might be like this 80-20 rule. Um, but the idea is we're over-medicated and the doctors are too quick to write out those prescriptions, which really ruins it because you got this thing of, yeah, these great drugs are being produced, but it, it's greed is leading. We lead with greed. And so now Patty is under court order to take pharmaceuticals, synthetic medication that has to pump through her veins delivering side effects. So let's look at this. You have two personal matters that, that two adults can't deal with things on their own. They reach out to the system and the system imprisons Patty to this identity where Patty feels she's living a life of somebody else. She feels like she's in a movie where it's like these, the switch, you know, kind of like between the two Karaskas, you know, on the screen. It's kind of like switch or change. I mean, what a bizarre life happening. And Patty's a few months into this and she's fearing for the way it's written up. It's like, you might have to uh, go ahead and do this for another year. So Ray, as I tell this story, I'm thinking you, with what you're doing, you might be in touch with other bizarre stories like this, but even so, what are you thinking about Patty's um, summer being taken away from her like that? And then now we just entered fall and uh, this hasn't fallen away. This is still going. What do you think of this story, Ray? This is a little bit in your wheelhouse, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know me, that's my favorite season. I'm all about the summer. So if I lost the summer, then <laughs> I'd probably lose my mind. So. <laughs> Because then what you have is like, you know, fall. It's all right, I guess. I remember sometimes I used to go away for the summers and it was kind of dumb because I would go from hot to hotter and then I'd come back to the fall and I was like, I miss my New York summer. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a, it's a rough thing. You know, it, it's all about American greed it's all about prescribing drugs and the the drugs give you more side effects than the actual cures i mean nothing no drugs cure anything anymore they don't care about cures they just care about putting you on treatments that will hurt you more you know yep so so patty what do you think about what ray just said does it sound like he kind of gets a little bit of what you're going through yeah, I'm not in favor of drugs to begin with, so the whole thing, oh, and yesterday when I was getting ready to go out to, uh, for an early birthday celebration, um, actually, um, I got a phone call right before I left um, asking me if I wanted more drugs. I didn't want the ones I had, never mind more. crazy stuff um so well that's the way it is i mean i suppose when you got a product you try to sell it but but wow in this case with what synthetic i used to be on a couple synthetic drugs and one i got off of right away and then uh the other one i actually was on for you know depending on what kind of, i might say 11 years a dozen years whatever something short of a dozen years and um 
you know, is called lisinopril. And it was uh, preventative therapy, which, you know, for, I didn't, I didn't realize that it was that tough to um, turn my health around, you know, that it took me over 10 years to do it. But when I was getting it, the doctors were saying that they were giving it to me to be on for my, for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, so that was interesting to be in a situation where um, I need heart care, cardiac care. And they're getting me on the Cinepril to help me out. And, uh, you know, and the stuff does help us because we make mistakes and we do things that don't serve our bodies well and our bodies shut down in these various ways. And um, to me, the drugs are a little bit of a cheater, you know, <laughs> it allows you to buy back some time and to, um, you know, be able to lean on that a little bit until you get yourself back on the right track. Um you know, but I'm all about the naturopathic and, you know, um, leaning towards, you know, methodology and, you know, doing a little bit of, uh, you know, doing, you know, self-care and the old thing of diet and exercise. And I also believe in the importance of looking at your water supply and water source and all, there's so many things you can look at to just make your environment better and make what you're inputting to your body to um, let your body do some mending. Your body actually has tremendous healing powers um, if, we, um, if we favor the body well enough. The body can do amazing things. So with that, uh, I want to check in with Barbara again. Uh, Barbara, are you back there already? Uh, did you float away on us doing other things i want to just see where you're at in this conversation if uh, anything's coming to mind from patty's story from what ray's inputted and those flowers are very nice there's no bees no flies no ladybugs <laughs> <laughs> i know i gotta get back my confidence and just be live it's, it's but, bug um, free but, mm, yeah uh, yeah okay. Really, um, really pretty. Really pretty. When I I had an operation on my back and coming out of the hospital, these were in my home. There was another set of flowers. These were really beautiful. Um. My sister-in-law just had an experience where she has Crohn's disease and they had her on a certain kind of drug and then they were supposed to try getting her off of it. And instead, they went up and then the doctor realized they messed up and they were trying to correct the problem and What happened? I don't know. I know with a bad connection, it can take a while. We've all been there with, with uh, Zoom that um, takes a while for Zoom to reconnect. Okay. And then uh, if you're on a yeah. data line, it may so, be a so, cell tower thing. Some, sometimes people are on dial-up. <laughs> dial-up and those old AOL. <laughs> I, I, hear, I hear it sometimes in the Zoom. like. Rrr. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's just when audio comes through the data line and it splices up our voices with the digital line going over the data line. So yeah, it looks like Barbara hopped off. She made a comment that she's got some company or whatever. She's with a group apparently that she broke away from to be on with us a little bit. So I'm glad I caught her again, a little bit of a soundbite from her. So yeah, she's a contributor. Her and uh, Mariana Waikiki tend to be on here about half of the time you know, to help us uh, come in and be panelists to enrich the conversation. We appreciate that. Um, but Ray, why don't you come back in here? And I guess, first of all, if I'm remembering correctly, you've got like a podcast show of your own, don't you? Yeah, we do one on Mondays. Uh, it's pre-recorded, but we do Monday mornings, the Ray and Jay show. We have different um, different people that just help people. It's about people helping people, people helping others. Sometimes we have mental health professionals, 
We have organizational leaders, life coaches, motivational speakers. Really, it's it's open to anybody as long as you help. There's no there's no uh, specific criteria for you to be invited to to speak. So we we pre-record it and we usually do it every Monday. Okay. Um, so Monday is when it's available to us out here. How do people uh, find your show? So uh, we, we promote it on LinkedIn and the co-host does it on a bunch of other social media channels. And we also have it on, um, it's on YouTube. Okay. Um, so is the YouTube like, well, this is your show. So the YouTube isn't under your name. Um, how do we find it on YouTube? It's another Ray and Jay show. Ray and Jay show. Okay, and then so it's Ray and J. So is it J J A Y or some other spelling of J? J E, yeah, J A E. J A E. There we go. Ray and J show. All right. So we got that noted down. Um, so what do you think, Patty? You want to be uh, on the Ray and J show? What do you think? Should we uh, see if we can book it right here live on World of Ability? Here you go. <laughs> so we got barbara here barbara are you back did you want to say more yeah my phone all of a sudden turned itself off and said that it was too hot and it had to wait till the phone cooled down <laughs> to be able to come back you can hear me now though yes oh yeah you're through better than you were the the first part of the show so yeah this is oh good. good yeah so anything else you want to add or I know you mentioned you're with a group. Um, happy to let you just listen and be with your group, but also you got the mic if there's anything you want to say. Steer us oh, in. Oh, just that, yeah, just I'd like to steer all like conversation and thought into where, you know, we're co-creating what's happening on this planet and making things better and trying not to get into this. Um, this is what they are doing, you know, that kind of, ideology but how do we communicate how can we help change things so that you know we see the intelligence and the beauty in each other and we steer things more in the direction of real humanity which i think takes a lot of courage rather than you know the quick answers of um here take this pill put out this money you know where we become a, a gifting society where people aren't having to work jobs that they don't like, that they don't believe in, that's hurting them just to keep a roof over their heads. You know, where we know each other's dreams and goals, and we're trying to help that happen for everybody, like I believe you are, Kurt. And I so appreciate this show and what people here are doing for each other, and just want to share that. Wow, you catching this, Ray? She just kind of talks, but boy, there's some heavy stuff in there that she says so lightly. Um, but yeah, like when you use the pronouns and you say they, and it kind of creates that separation between us and them and um, creating that, you know, fracture in our society when we start doing that across the populations and uh, so forth. But um but Ray, what are you thinking in terms of, um, I guess, anything else you you get from what Barbara was saying? But you know, in what you do, we're seeing a lot of individual benefit that you're delivering. But can you um, expound upon uh, what we're catching so far in terms of, like, with other people? Like, how are you helping people? deal with like like patty patty's story i talked about how two other individuals in their life created this disruption that she experienced through the summer and that that's just a reality of life you know this is what happens and as we make ourselves available to other people there become there becomes uh from time to time conflict so how does that find itself in your work and how do you help with that yeah so i mean I work with people with many different issues, you know, um, like if we take addictions, for example, 
if there's people that are addicted to alcohol, I help them find the root of the cause. A lot of times they'll go to somebody or they'll go to a rehab and they just teach them ways to, to not drink or not drink less, but they don't figure out why they drink in the first place. That's the number one thing. Once you identify why you're doing what you're doing and you kill that, then your desire to drink is over. Unless it's a genetic issue, then that's another story. But I help people figure out why they do things, why they're addicted to alcohol, why they're addicted to drugs, why they're addicted to other things. Um, That's one of the things that I deal with, Uh, you know, identifying why they're depressed, not just treating the depression, not just going somewhere and, and, you know, saying, oh, I'm depressed. And then the psychologist or whoever okay, you're depressed, you know, here's some medicine or here's some techniques to, to, to do better, you know, identifying why. Is it from a trauma, you know, for, as a child? Is it something work-related? Is it something from school? You know, those are some of, the, some of the things that I do is I identify what the real issue is. So that way when you go to do your rehabs and all these things, then it's going to be successful because if they're just teaching you to, to avoid something or rid yourself of something, you're never figuring out what that, what's causing it. And so, you know, it becomes this lifelong battle of cycles of like they're clean and they relapse and they're clean and they relapse and they never figure out what the original reason why. And, you know, unfortunately I've seen people die because of that. You know, they drink a lot and they go to, to rehab or they do drugs and they go to rehab and they just, they're in and out and in and out and they never identify what's causing it. Was it because they were abused as a child? Did they witness something tragic? You know, you have to identify these things. And unfortunately, a lot of people that treat people or places that treat people, they just give you strategies or medicine or, you know, to get rid of that habit but I, you know i i do things differently and you know that's one of the reasons why i'm i'm so successful today with myself is because i was able to identify what caused me to to do things and i didn't do that myself i mean it was through therapy i had professionals that helped me find that but it took me like 15 years because not everybody's skilled in that you know Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you're saying all that, Ray, um, I think this gives me an opportunity to thread in here, you know, kind of how you, Patty, and I got connected, you know, uh, you know, we're a few people that got to know each other. And then Barbara, um, I met through actually in about an hour, I'm going to be with a group called the Mutual Aid Network. And I met Barb through a friend from the mutual aid network, but, um, but in terms of you, Patty and you Ray being here, that connects to us through, um, the happy neighborhood project, our chief happiness officer, Edwin Edaberry. And, um, Edwin is in a great sense in this, uh, mental health arena. He's, uh, been passionate, um, you know, officially in 2009, he became official that, he was going out there to spread happiness around the world, went out, interviewed a thousand people about happiness, uh, story told through a YouTube video that's available. It comes from a TEDx talk that he did, um, you know, and it's called happiness as a default position. And uh, within the presentation from his TEDx talk, it show, it, um, you know, it's this imagery and it's this you know, very compelling and captivating story about how he interviews a thousand people and there was like a one in a thousand person, you know, that just interacted with the whole thing a little differently with a little, little added twist. And, and Edwin talks about how this gentleman was shaking his hand, you know, Edwin would shake people's hands and thanks for what they shared in the conversation. And uh, it would always end in a commitment uh, to be happy for 24 hours. And um, so his longest conversation was with this gentleman and 
a little bit was steered by the 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 ending twist that this guy put on. They shook hands and then the guy didn't let go of Edwin's hand. And, and this guy like hung on. He hung on, he hung on. And uh, so the guy was persistent to get Edwin's name and he didn't even know what's your name, Edwin. It wasn't like that. It was he just was talking to this guy that we know as Edwin. And, and he's just like, he wanted to know the name. And Edwin just said, you know, when he did these interviews, he left it anonymous. It was just <laughs> anonymous people just sharing something about happiness. And then Edwin would get them to commit to 24 hours of happiness and on they go. But this exceptional story was something where the guy persisted and the guy left knowing Edwin's name. And uh, so that was that. Finally, you know, that whole thing was, was done. Well, what Edwin shares in the TEDx talk, the story is, is that uh, one day Edwin's working away and he gets a phone call. He answers it and the guy's talking a little bit. He's like, do you know who I am? You know, and so this guy had to recapture this moment that they had shared from that interview. And the guy took Edwin's name and he, he found him. He found Edwin and gave him a call. And, uh, and this was so important to the guy because the guy was under the help of a psychologist and was at this point of suicide ideation. And what uh, he was doing in treatment was not working. So the point of the whole gratitude and thanks was, as Edwin tells it, it's very insinuated. I mean, Edwin didn't come right out and say this, but to me, I think when we hear it, I mean, it's, it's very convincing to me that I go ahead and I put two and two together. I read between the lines and come to my own conclusion that I feel I'm hearing Edwin save this guy's life is what it amounts to. And so you, you never know, um, you know, what's going to happen as we do what we do and as we choose how we interact with other people and this influence and interaction uh, that we do or don't do with another person. And um, so, Patty, I want you to come in here a little bit and, um, you know, kind of to bring out a little bit more of your life journey and shared a little bit of, you know, the recent past and, you know, disruption in your life and kind of what you're hoping for. And, you know, we're talking here a little bit about, um, you know, like Ray's got on here, you know, let's survive together. You know, a lot of what you're going through is more of in a higher magnitude. A lot of people say one day at a time. You know, I think you're you're at a point where that's very magnified that, you know, each day um, has a lot of unknowns for you. And each day has progress or at least an update you know, in terms of what you're dealing with. But Patty, you want to describe that a little bit in terms of where you are right now in, in your life today and kind of what today's show has been about and what you're thinking right now about it all? Well, considering that I spent six and a half weeks going to different psych units, um, right now um, we're finally at a point where at least there's going to be some hearings that are going to, to hopefully get me out of the system once and for all. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, one is a judicial review and the other one is an appeals hearing. And I just want this whole thing behind me so that I can move forward. You know, I, I have a business to run and it's been put aside for all this nonsense. So that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, for sure. When we get into uh, legal process and the court system and the work of attorneys and so forth. It's like you're in a different time zone, a different universe, you know, and that all goes by because it's just unreal um, how slow and, and how how they can just drag the process on, um, you know, so that, that seems to be a pretty common experience. But yeah, you definitely are working hard to expedite the process. Uh, Ray, how are you doing on time? I know we're running well past uh, oh, yeah. You know, clock hour. Are you doing okay on time or are you needing to get off to something else? I don't want to hold you up. Yeah, I unfortunately I have something now at uh at four o'clock. So all right. 
Well, any uh, final words or should we just make it a goodbye by you? I appreciate you <laughs> on the show and uh, you know, you're welcome to come back anytime, but yeah, uh, I want to let you get over to your other activity and we yeah, this up another time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's great to be here and um, you know, we'll stay in touch. And like I always say, you know, I'm always available. You can reach out, you know, connect. Um, always willing to to help somebody out if, if they need something, you know, I'm, I'm here to help. That's the point of my existence. And, um, you know, keep the faith, always keep, keep yourself positive, a lot of energy and be hopeful, you know, do things that make you positive. And, you know, there's always going to be something great at the end. You know, I went through some, terrible things in my life that I never thought that I would, you know, be here today doing great things. So there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes you got to struggle a little bit, but it only makes you stronger in the end. And I, I, the way I grew up, I thought it was, you know, a curse, but I'm thankful today because I can help people, you know, become great. And so that's why I'm around. And I want to wish you all a, a happy Saturday full of blessings as i always say enjoy and may great things happen to you very good well thanks for being here ray i look forward to the next time we can follow up we'll let you go to um your other activity and uh thank everybody over there from the world of ability for the extra time you spent here and we'll see you next time thanks ray. Right, i'll see you have a good day yep you too thank you all right thank you all right, so, uh, so yeah, Barbara tends to be one of those two. That's another reason why I wanted to check in with the time. But um, you know, we do have about another six, seven minutes or so that uh, I potentially will use to just kind of come to a nice soft landing of, of our end of our journey here in this hour. But Patty, any other thoughts? Um, that you have in terms of what the day is, what you're thinking of at the moment, what today's show brought to your mind and anything you wanted to add to what you said earlier? With... Oh, I think Ray is a big help. I think he's a very positive person and full of, um, you know, trying to get to the source of things. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out of the system completely. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it is, um, it is something that brings to my mind something I've said a lot in decades past. I haven't said it as much in, in the last 10 years, but previously in my life, uh, for about 10, 15 years, I would say a lot about, um, that character in history by the name of Albert Einstein. Mm-hmm. No, and, and one of the notions that he shared with us in his time, you know, or from his time, so his legacy is a little bit about this idea of, you know, he was a physics guy. So his whole mindset was about process and about things in motion. So it's, so the concept is, is that if you think of your life journey now, so it's, so it's like you think you're in motion on your life journey and all of a sudden you get, you get off the path. So like your disruption pad, you know, mm -hmm. Albert Einstein would talk about this and, and um, be a little bit of a philosopher about it, applying his physics acumen. And, and so what he would teach us is that as soon as we get off of the path, we are more meant to be on. It takes 10 times more energy. That's how he would describe it that it takes 10 times more energy to get back on course as compared to if we just, so if you just think of just being on your life journey and everything is as it should be, you know, and you just go and go, no disruption versus a disruption or you're making a bad life decision and then you got to correct it. Like Ray was talking about substance abuse or whatever it may be or substance use. And then you got to, you know, get to abstinence and, you know, whatever else that, you know, that whole thing to, it was a little bit to weigh your options, you know, just work hard to just stay on the right path and make sure you just keep doing the right things or 
get a little careless and reckless and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself having to put so much more energy in. You describe it as 10 times more energy. And so, Patty, just look at in your case, you know, that's kind of where I really talked about in June. I really try to set set the mentality on, on where you were on that day. And then your life took a divergence that you never asked for. You were forced off your path. And then now you're over here in left field, as they say, and, and you're off in left field. And, you know, so now you're trying to find your way back to the course. So all the things you could have been doing the last few months would have had the energy that that is. But now you have to put 10 times the amount of energy um, in this time. And if you want to get back on track, that's the way it is every day until you get back on track. Your days are filled with 10 times more energy doing stuff you really don't need to be doing, right? Yeah. And uh, so that's what I hope the author, you know, the authoritarians and the judges and the administrative law judge and the attorneys, and I hope we can really send that message that system change needs to happen because to me, I know I'm ready to say publicly that I take that very seriously when somebody in authority feels that they can do that so freely to disrupt somebody's life so greatly. Life is too short. Life has too many things that we could be doing. And there are things that we're called to do. There's this idea of helping somebody be the best version of themselves. And the thing that I ask is, what was your roommate thinking? When your roommate took action, was your roommate helping you, Patty, be the best version of yourself? I say, yeah. no. was our friend that enacted a, a restraining order acting to help you, Patty, be the best version of yourself? I say, no. Do we have our other friends, you know, out there doing things that are helping you, Patty, be the best version of yourself? I say, no. You have shared a list of over 70 people, and we got another guide. We're going to be soaring over 80 people, 80 contacts, 80 organizations. And we have, I believe, two people, two people in this whole roster that seem to be like you, Emily, and I, Patty, that there might be five of us now, these two people from the professionalists, and then there's the three of us as a team, to work on resolving this disruption. And so there's five of us, but only two came from the list of what's growing to be over 80. I don't think that speaks very well to how society is working or how the judicial system works or how the mental health system works. Now, that being said, we know that 99% of the way, what it's designed to do, intended to do and should do 99% of the way, it's like not much of a discussion. But when we take one in 100, for the number of people they serve, that's actually pretty significant. And then when you have somebody like you, Patty, who falls into that one out of 100, to make that 1% of the time, which doesn't seem too serious. But when you're the one, like you are, Patty, that really sucks, rocks, doesn't it? Yep, sure does. So, so with that... I think I'll wrap it up to say that this is where my passion of disability advocacy comes from. Again, we're, we talked a lot about the mental health faction, the substance use faction, and then from there we can branch off for other people, uh, being about people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And then in all this communication, we can think about people who are deaf or hard of hearing, um, like we're using closed captioning right now from the live transcription service right through Zoom and YouTube does that as well. Um, and then we have the community of people who are blind or visually impaired and then people who are living in chronic pain and uh, so on and so forth and all the people protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act and, and just what the, the right nature of it is. Again, helping people be at the best version of themselves in the disability community. They've taught me about the process of self-determination and that uh, really um, that's the issue. 
is that we have three out of four people thinking that we have all the ideas, like the judge and the attorneys and the psychiatrists and, you know, the, all these people at all these desks and all these jobs, they think they have all the right ideas. But if we could just open up our minds and open up our hearts and really make that place in our soul where when Patty comes and she's like, I need your help, that we really think about that a lot more seriously than over 70 people from this list growing over 80 people that we're working on. And we'll be having updates here at World of Ability, Ability MK Now Show, Wednesdays at 7.30 Central, 5.30 Arizona time, and on and on from there. So this is a story that kind of comes together like a soap opera. A soap opera. So we kind of got this illusion that there's some juicy stuff uh, yet to come together in this, and we'll be bringing it to you. I'm Karaska from the World of Ability podcast, podcast show, and uh, we're looking forward to Emily uh, coming back for next week. Uh, she fell MIA, missing in action, and uh, AWOL, uh, absent without leave, and uh, so... That'll be a little interesting. I might have to go practice the three-minute rule. I don't know what happened there with Emily Michelle Gomer, but we'll find out. I hope she's okay. So until then, we'll catch you next time right here at the Rule of Ability. Bye for now.